Uh, it is an absolute blessing uh, to be with you all this morning. Sadly for you, you're, you're going to have to see my face again in a couple weeks. I'm coming back to preach again on Mother's Day. So uh, you're going to be seeing a little bit more of me, uh, but I am thankful for it. Joy Community Fellowship of Pittman sends our greetings and love. Uh, we think of and pray for you often, uh, individually, and also in our church services. We are remembering you regularly. Uh, we, we miss those who went out from us. It's, it's always neat to come back. I was back, whenever the, when was the luncheon? Maybe the, the anniversary lunch a few months ago. Uh, and it's always neat because every time I come, I feel like I'm seeing old faces, friends, and new faces. Uh, and that's, that's a real blessing. And we miss those of you who went out from us. But are thankful to God for the work he's doing among you all. And the fact that you went out from us uh, quite obviously captures the theme of this morning. We believers in Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, exist on this earth for something bigger than simply our own comfort and pleasure. Uh, I, I can remember, and, and maybe those of you who uh, went out from Joy Community Fellowship of Pittman can remember the last few weeks of worship services together before we planted uh, those were some sweet and wonderful services, and the church building was packed, and, the, and we would sing together, and, and I can remember even at times standing up in front of the congregation, or Larry standing up in front of the congregation and saying, like, why do we want to break this thing up? Like, it's, we're, we're just loving this so much. We, we enjoy one another so much, uh, but the reason we would want to, quote-unquote, break this thing up is because we don't simply exist for ourselves. The call of the church in this world is to be a people who stay well, but also go well. Always sending forth, always strengthening what remains, always salt and light, praying that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into his field, praying that we would be faithful where he has us and where he sends us. JCF Williamstown has had a doozy of a first couple years as a church plant. Just what we were thinking in February of 2020, right, was pandemic on the way. It's a great time. But in it all, God has shown himself to be so faithful. Have you considered how faithful he has been to you as a church and to you as individuals over these last two years? This morning on Church Planning Sunday, I want to take some time to remind you of the call that is on you as a local congregation. Not just on Ben, not just on the elders, but on Joy Community Fellowship of Williamstown, the church and the individual believers who comprise the church. It's interesting, I just was teaching a Sunday school class before I came here this morning, which was our week one of a Sunday school class on the church and I got to spend time this morning talking about all the beautiful imagery in Scripture we see for the church, that the church is a people. We are the people of God, the bride of Christ, the flock of God, the body. And there is a call on us as individuals who comprise this body, the beloved bride of Christ. We're going to read this morning Paul's final doxology in the book of Romans. And then we're going to consider two things. The treasure that we possess 
and the purpose for which we possess it. The treasure that we possess and the purpose for which we possess it. So if you have your Bibles and want to open up to Romans chapter 16, or maybe it's printed in the bulletins. I forgot to look. If uh, Either way, Romans chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 25 to 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this morning. We thank you for corporate worship, for the ways that you strengthen us and prepare us through corporate worship. Pray now that my words would be faithful to your word, that your Holy Spirit would work in my heart and in our hearts, that you would strengthen us through your word, that you would establish us through your word, that you would prepare this body more and more for their part in your mission in this world. I thank you, Father, for your word and for your goodness and grace. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we pray that he would be exalted in all that I say. In Jesus' name, amen. So, do you have your Bibles out? You got them with you this morning? Uh, if, you, if you look at the beginning of Romans, Romans chapter 1, it is interesting to note uh, that the very end of Romans, which I just read, in many ways mirrors the very beginning of Romans. So, uh, Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Paul a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, and by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you flip back to, I'm going to reread what I read a few moments ago, the end of chapter 16. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Do you see similarities there between the beginning of Romans and the end of Romans? Some similar sentiments expressed, the promised beforehand, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the idea that it's for all nations to bring about the obedience of faith. Paul bookends the letter with these thoughts. Paul concludes this letter by rejoicing in that which he expressed joy over at the start of the letter. God has been faithful to his promises, and he has entrusted to the church the continuation of the work he began, Acts 29. I was going to tell you I was reading from Acts 29 just to see, see what you do, but Ben stole my thunder. Uh, Paul had never been with the Roman church to this point. He was longing to see them, and he would ultimately see them, not in the way that he was hoping or planning to originally, uh, but, but by way of imprisonment. He had never been with them in person, but he wrote to lay out the glories and the implications of the gospel message for the church and for the world. Each week, when you gather for worship, and share the Lord's Supper together, and sing, and pray. Each week when you gather in homes for small groups, every time you share in Bible study, every weekly prayer meeting, you are blessed to be reminded of a great treasure that has been given to the church. Here in chapter 16, Paul reminds the church at Rome that to them has been revealed a mystery that was kept secret for long ages, that this mystery has now been disclosed to them. When you hear the word mystery, what comes to mind? What's that make you think? I'm all about audience participation, so if I ask, I'm expecting an answer. Unsolved, unknown, maybe even something that you may hear like that, something eerie or... Only, only meant for like the smart people or the, you know, something that's meant to be decoded or the most crafty can figure it out. But what we are meant to see in that word mystery, and if you've read Paul's writings, he uses the word mystery a lot. And the word mystery here is meant to say something that has yet to be, be revealed or something that is yet unknown. Paul uses the language of mystery Uh, to show us about something, not that the Lord is uh, maliciously keeping from His people, but because He has been progressively revealing something to His people throughout all the ages. Not something, but someone. Paul writes, as the time had been fulfilled and the mystery had been made known, this mystery, Paul says, has been disclosed Through the prophetic writings. What prophetic writings is he talking about? The Old Testament. I assume that he's talking about the Old Testament. Now that's interesting. He's saying this mystery has been revealed through the Old Testament. What is the mystery that he's talking about? Wasn't that hidden in the Old Testament, the mystery that he's talking about? Wasn't that like buried in the Old Testament? Well, in a sense, yes. But in another sense, it awaited 
This mystery awaited the one who would come and fulfill it all, right? John chapter 5, verse 39. I'm going to show you a few verses if you want to flip around with me, or you can just listen. John chapter 5, verse 39. What does Jesus say to the religious leaders? You search the Scriptures. When he talks about the Scriptures, what is he talking about? The Old Testament. Everything before Matthew. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about who? Me. Him. Luke chapter 24. Jesus is on the road to Emmaus after His resurrection. And He's walking with these disciples. And it says in verse 27, He was sharing with them about the Christ, right? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that's the whole Old Testament, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. The Apostle Paul himself says, uh, it says in Acts chapter 17, when he goes into Thessalonica, he would reason from the Scriptures in the synagogues to show the people that Jesus was the Christ. All of Scripture had been foreshadowing and pointing to the day when one would come who would fulfill every bit of the Old Testament. You're going through Leviticus right now. Does Ben ever talk about Jesus when he talks in, in Leviticus? Does that, he ever come up occasionally? Jesus is the fulfillment of the Levitical law. He is the one who makes us clean. He is the great high priest. We live in the age of the revealed mystery. And that mystery is the gospel of Jesus Christ. To you, Joy Community Fellowship Williamstown, the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, from all of eternity past, has been made known. God's eternal plan to have a people for Himself a plan that involves their rejection of God as king, their foolish attempts to be gods themselves, their utter disdain for Him, but His relentless, overcoming, sacrificial love for such as these. A plan that involves the Lord Himself sending His Son, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, to take on human flesh, to live a life of perfect obedience to the Father, to lay down His life on a cross, though He had done no wrong, to rise victoriously from the grave on the third day, ascend into heaven, take a seat at the right hand of God, and ever live to intercede for all who call upon Him as merciful High Priest and Savior. All who believe in Him will be forgiven of their trespasses and sins, will be clothed in the righteousness that Christ alone possesses, and given the rock-solid assurance of eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth. This is the mystery that has been revealed, brothers and sisters. This is the mystery. This is the treasure that you possess both as a church and as individuals within the church. At its very core, 
The church is not a self-help group. It is not a social justice organization. It is not a club. What makes the church of Jesus Christ distinct is the message we carry. The words of life. A professing church that does not preach the full gospel is not a church. Does that sound harsh? It's true. The marching orders for the church. Paul even says here that that it was revealed by the command of God. The marching order for the church is to preach the gospel. That is the treasure that the church contains. The marching order for the church is to bring about the obedience of faith among all. What message is it that gives light to blind eyes and hearing to deaf ears? By what means did we come to know the Lord? It is the gospel, not the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God. That gospel message that I just laid out, the the eternal plan of God, the work of Christ, the current work of Christ on behalf of all who believe, this is the wisdom of God. The world calls it foolish, stupid, stumbling block, but it is the wisdom of God. Consider in your own lives, How has the gospel message, by the power of the Holy Spirit, transformed your life? Brothers and sisters, have you considered what precious words you have to give to other people? We can't control how they receive those words, which might be the reason we're hesitant to share them at times, right? I don't know how that's going to land on another but you possess, you possess the message of a God who loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That might be the first verse in the Bible you ever learned in your life, right? For a lot of people, John 3, 16, I, I know one verse. Now, maybe the most popular verse is judge not, lest you be judged yourself, but Previously, it would have been John 3.16. Maybe the first verse you ever know. Maybe it's the only verse you have committed to memory right now. Don't lose the beauty and wonder of it. Eternal life is offered through that message. Eternal life is gained by grace through faith in that message alone. Eternal death and damnation will come for all who reject this message of a God and a loving Savior who gave up his life, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. When Jesus turned up the heat on his followers in John chapter 6, telling them what we're going to celebrate in a little bit, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Many of his followers left him at that point. They said, all right, I'm out. That's too much for me. And he turns to his disciples and he says, what about you? Do you want to go away too? What does Peter say to him in in reply? To whom, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
you have the words of life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where are we going to go? You have the words of life, Jesus. And he has entrusted the words of life to you. To you, brothers and sisters, has been disclosed the very words of life. They are the words that gave you life. If you're saying, I'm a Christian today, but I became a Christian not through the gospel. You're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. You were given life through those words. And those remain the words of life that you possess to give to others and to one another. The mystery kept hidden for long ages now revealed to you. Jesus has the words of life and Jesus is the word of life. With the rest of our time, I want to consider from this passage in Romans why we have this treasure. I see three things in this section that talk about why we possess this treasure. Why does Joy Community Fellowship Williamstown exist? What are you meant to do with the words of life? Let's look at three things that are in this text. Let's start with verse 25. My drink is not over there anymore. It's over here. I switched sides. The first reason I see mentioned in this passage is that the church will be strengthened by the gospel message. Do you see that in there? Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Side note, did you notice there in verse 25 that Paul talks about it as his gospel? What's that mean? Does that mean that he had his own gospel that he was going around and preaching? He's saying, the one I preach is the gospel. He said to the church in Galatia, right? If somebody comes to you preaching a different gospel than the one you received, including who? Me. If I come and I tell you something different than I already told you, let that person be accursed. So when Paul says, my gospel, he's saying, the gospel. The gospel that I proclaim. And so uh, the church will be strengthened by the gospel message. The word strengthen might say in some of your versions, establish. Anybody have establish in their Bible? The gospel message is what saves, but it is also what establishes us and strengthens us in our faith. It establishes the church. It builds up the church. Jesus Christ is not only our saving wisdom, but He is righteousness and sanctification and redemption. From beginning to end, the life of the church relies on the work of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and the message of Christ over and over and over. The church that sends and the church that goes must be committed to strengthening what is within. It's very clear from this passage that the one who does the actual strengthening is the Lord Himself. That's why we can say we rely on the means that He has given us for strengthening the church, right? We can come up with all kinds of strategies for how to make ourselves better Christians and how to get a bigger church and how to. 
We can come up with thousands of strategies, but the core of the strategy that the Lord lays out is trust in my wisdom. Trust in my message. My word will strengthen my people. My spirit will build my church. So do it the way I told you to do it. Don't trust in yourself above and beyond what the Lord has called you to trust in. The gospel strengthens the church. The means he uses is the properly proclaimed word of Christ put to use in all contexts. That's not just a Sunday morning thing. That's sitting in in a living room and having a gospel-related conversation. That's praying together. That's in many contexts, the Lord strengthens his church through the word. And the word all points us to Christ, ultimately. Just take a minute, brothers and sisters, and think of what and whom the Lord has used in your life to build your faith or strengthen your faith. I'll let you think about that. In both formal and informal ways, hasn't it been the Word of God proclaimed, prayed, shared in homes, sent via text message and email? Hasn't hasn't it been some form of the Word of God being expressed to you? Pointers to Christ, reminders that, that we are in this together? The Word of God encourages the brokenhearted believer. It calls the apathetic to renewed vigor. It gives us wisdom for each day. And ultimately, the Word of God keeps us near the source of our hope and confidence, the person and work of Jesus. All of this by the power of the Holy Spirit. God establishes and strengthens His church through this message. He also along with today's theme, he sends his church with this message. Starting to think that Ben was going to preach my message for me when he got up here. Uh, you know, to do, I, know what, I know what preachers do. They just they can't help it. They get the pulpit. They're, I've got to say a few things. He sends his church with this message. 1626. This has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. This message has been made known to all nations. And this too is part of the mystery that was revealed in Jesus, though the Lord had been saying it for a long time before Jesus came. The gospel message is a message for all people, all nations, all places. It's not simply a message for the Jewish people. It wasn't just a Jewish salvation. It was a message for everyone. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is a message for all. Consider Paul's words to the church at Ephesus that in Christ, the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile had been torn down. No more dividing wall. 
that the mystery has been revealed that the Gentiles, most of us, if not all of us in this room, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The message you have is a message for everyone. The church that was sent is called to be a church that sends by God's grace. And what that sending might look like, it could be, it could be in a lot of different forms. It could be, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. So I'll just say this, what I'm about to say, none of this can happen apart from the grace of God. So when I, I'm throwing out thoughts and ideas of what it might look like, we're asking the Lord to do it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Be reminded of that. Ben said that as he talked about the prayer meeting. We need to be reminded. Unless the Lord is doing the work, we are laboring in vain. But some will be sent to the ends of the earth with the gospel message. As I was preparing this message and praying for you all and for our church in Pittman, like it feels, it feels scary to say to our kids, maybe the, the Lord would begin a work in, in the hearts of our children to go. Maybe somewhere far away for his namesake. And I might have a couple parents come up to me afterward and say, like, you didn't have permission to say that in the church service this morning. But our God is ascending God. And we know, I mean, you guys are eight miles away from our church building, and it feels sometimes like you're 5,000 miles away. And it was painful, and it is painful and wonderful what the Lord has done. And he might raise up some of the, the young ones in this room right now to go far away. Difficult places where there's little or no access to the gospel. There may be some in this room that are going to be called to that. I pray that there are. The need is real and the gospel is the only hope of these people. Whether you stay or whether you go, the work of getting the gospel to the ends of the earth falls upon all of us. Planting churches to the ends of the earth, it falls upon all of us because the gospel is a message for all nations, for all tribes, for all tongues. They will all be celebrating in glory, right? People of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Supportive sending or going ourselves are all involved. Some will be sent to other areas to plant churches or strengthen existing churches in this area, even where the gospel is already accessible. We had no problem with the idea of sending a church plant to Williamstown because there's lots of people who need gospel ministry everywhere. Where the gospel is already accessible, we still know of places where supplies are limited or population is large and, and one church, local congregation, can't cover all of it. We minister one mile away from Rowan University where 24,000 students descend upon it from you know, September through next week. And one church can't accomplish all the work that can be done just on that campus. 
There's lots of work to be done. There's a reason why Jesus said the fields are white unto harvest. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into his field. Here in South Jersey, there is a ton of need for faithful gospel churches to be planted. There's a ton of need for faithful gospel churches to be strengthened. There may be some who are called to go and support a church that is hurting. There may be that call. But there is a call that is upon all of us. All of us are sent into the places where we live our lives day by day with our neighbors with our co-workers, with our children, with our families. We are sent out. I, I hope and pray you know, moms especially, of young ones, like you're not eliminated from gospel ministry. The ministry you do in the walls of your house is gospel ministry. Needed gospel ministry. I wonder if, if maybe sometimes you feel like I don't accomplish anything. I do nothing for the gospel. When you sow the gospel into the lives of your children, you are ministering the gospel where it is most needed. Wherever we go and whatever we do, we are sent out to be ministers of the gospel. Who that we encounter in our lives, day by day, co-worker, friend, family member, who is beyond the hope of the gospel? What person can we look at and say, well, yes, I know I should share about Jesus with a lot of people, but this person, they are beyond hope. This type of person, they are beyond hope. Who were we when Christ saved us? From whom should we withhold the good news? No one. What might the Lord do with a prayerful community of believers who are committed to faithful gospel proclamation as individuals and as a church? What could the Lord do there? Each believer in this room is one sent out for the work of the gospel. If you're hesitant to share the gospel because you think that you are not qualified or you might mess up, be reminded that the Lord is the one who changes hearts. That's not your work. He doesn't say, go make everybody into Christians. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers your proclamation. It is the message of the Lord Jesus, not your eloquent words that are going to change hearts. Paul himself said he'd rather not be thought of as an eloquent preacher so that the gospel would be front and center, so that it would be known that it's Jesus who changes hearts, that it's the message of the cross that changes hearts. The Lord has given us this message that we might go with it. And finally this morning, we see the great end of all things. So the, this message, this treasure that we contain as a church, it strengthens, it sends, and it glorifies. Why does JCF Williamstown possess this precious treasure? For the glory of God. This passage is a doxology. It's a song of praise, a word of praise 
to God. The great end of all things, the reason why all things exist, is for the praise and glory of God. The church exists for the praise and glory of God. We were designed as individuals and as a church not to absorb glory, but to reflect glory and to direct glory, all glory, to the one to whom it is due. We are not good glory receptacles. We actually become more miserable the more glory we seek for ourselves. You ever find that in your life? The more you try to make yourself center stage, the more unhappy you get. The more you're asking to be, to be the one who, who is showered with praise and adoration or to get what you deserve or you desire, it makes you more miserable. Because glory was never meant to land and stay on us. All glory is meant to be the Lord's. We were designed to find joy in giving Him honor, giving Him praise and glory. And He alone is worthy and able to handle the weight of all glory now and forevermore. Here in this passage, Paul directs praise where it is appropriately due. To Him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God. The only wise God. Interesting phrase. Does that mean that there are other gods that are unwise? There are not other gods. All right, your pastor is not a heretic. All right. There may be other professing gods, but they are folly, right? But what Paul is saying here is that our God has wisdom that triumphs and trumps all the ways of this world. His wisdom laid out this plan. If you've read through the book of Romans, you see he gets to the end of Romans chapter 11 after laying out the gospel for 11 chapters and, and the eternal plans of God and the work of God to bring the Gentiles in, to rouse the, the Jewish people to jealousy. And, and he gets to the end of chapter 11 and he just says, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Right? Who has known his mind? Who could be his counselor? From him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forevermore. Amen. And here he is saying, I give praise as I conclude this letter to the only wise God, the wise God who laid out this perfectly wise plan. Not the way that I would have done it. Not the way that we would have done it. He is the wise one. His ways are wise. He is the source of wisdom, and He is wisdom itself. Everything we have, everything we know, every success that we are a part of, all of it flows from the only wise God. And quite possibly, the most remarkable thing in this passage is that this glory is ascribed to God through whom? Through Jesus Christ. God could get glory for himself any way that he wants to, you know. He could, he could have made us, 
He could have made us, and, and as we were rebellious subjects, he could have just crushed us forever and made us live forever, begging for mercy and receiving none. He could have made worshiping him a miserable and cruel act, a type of torment and torture, just to show like, I'm God, you're not. He could have made it torture for what he created. You understand that the God of all that is can do whatever he wants. You know that, right? He could wipe us out. He could have not made us at all. But what he chose to do instead was to get glory for himself through Jesus Christ, through the lamb who would be slain for us, through a people who are redeemed by his grace. We see in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, the song of heaven is that we are going to worship God the Father. This is happening right now. Worshiping God the Father through the work of the Lamb who was slain. On this earth, on this side of the new heavens and the new earth, the Lord gets great glory for Himself by ransoming wayward sinners from their futile ways, by rescuing them from slavery to sin, then by protecting them by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the protective care of the church by sending them to bring the gospel elsewhere and build the church elsewhere, see the church established until he brings them home safely to be with him forever. The Lord gets great glory for himself when his power raises dead hearts to life and then protects them forever until we see him face to face. The glory is his through Jesus Christ. He didn't have to do it this way. But he did. We praise him because his glory is seen through his grace. That's what we're meant to see when we see through Jesus Christ. We see his glory because of his grace. That's wonderful news. And that's the news that we have to share. Brothers and sisters, the the Lord is doing a beautiful thing among you. Your faithfulness in these couple years is a testimony of God's grace. And may it be that for as long as he tarries, as long as he gives uh, Joy Community Fellowship of Williamstown uh, a gathering place, I pray that he would give you a heart to go to the community, to go to your families, to go to the ends of the earth with the words of life, the gospel of Jesus. And may the only wise God receive all glory and honor now and forever as lives are transformed and the church is built. And he will build his church. He promised the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all glory is yours now and forevermore. And we thank you and praise you that that we can see how worthy you are of glory through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have shown us your glory in the most gracious of ways by rescuing us, saving us, forgiving us, and giving us the hope of glory. Lord, would you build your church? Would you strengthen and establish your church? Would you strengthen and establish this local church? 
that all of their days they might be about your business in this world, declaring the words of life, holding out the hope of Christ, and praying that you would do a mighty work in their midst. Thank you for the work you have begun, and I pray that it would continue to completion. I thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.